Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Keith Weekly. And I am your host, Michael Snyder. Hey folks, how you doing out there? Once again, we're here to recap a week of things that happened in Nerdscape. This week we'll be talking about a little National Treasure news. Mikel is back, so of course we're going to have some video game news there, as expected. Uh, we're going to talk about more streaming war stuff, because that is an ongoing battle that will never end anytime soon. To kick off this episode, Mikkel, I have a question. Do you know what's on the back of the Declaration of Independence? Is this a trick question? Eh, it's kind of a segue. A horrible one, but still a segue nonetheless. Well, of course I know what's on the back of the Declaration of Independence. I've seen National Treasure, Keith. It's a map. Well, that's what we all wish was there. The non-fun factual answer is that it's just a label that says it was signed on July 4th, 1776. Not a lot of fun there, but who needs facts anymore anyway, right? <laughs> Which is why National Treasure will always be near and dear to my heart. It's like the perfect marriage of history, conspiracy theories, and fan fiction all wrapped into one, right? Plus, Nick Cage's face doing weird things. So, you can imagine that I was smiling from the ear to ear this week when I saw the Jerry Bruckheimer is diving even deeper into his toy chest that's already gotten us a bad boy than the Top Gun sequel, and is now developing not one, but two additions to the National Treasure franchise. The first of the two is a third film that will likely see the return of the original cast from the previous two films from 2004 and 2007. Yes, that means Nicolas Cage may be, get, may be able to run around even more through catacombs and further desecrate some of the most valuable artifacts and monuments in the world. But there's more. Bruckheimer is also working on a Disney Plus spinoff series. He told Collider this week it would be essentially a lot like the film series, but with a much younger cast. While I don't pick any production as a sure thing until the tra- trailer drops, Bruckheimer said the film is currently being written and the series is a pl- pilot script written and the outlines on the way for the episodes in progress. I'm looking forward to this, Mikael, but before I dive deeper into my thoughts and speculation on what's to come, how do you feel about the National Trade franchise as a whole? I like the National Treasure franchise, right? Like, it, it's great popcorn movie fodder. It's something that you can watch, you can enjoy, you just sort of turn your mind off for a little bit, and it's great. And I think the first one was infinitely better than the second one. Um, and I think that's just because it felt a little bit more cohesive in a lot of different ways than, than the Book of Secrets and the ending of the Book of Secrets, which I don't actually remember outside of being sort of like, really, you're doing this, you're doing this, guys, um, which ironically is also the same feeling I got with the Indiana Jones movies at various points in that franchise, which is, is a fair comparison, right? Because they're both about archaeologists doing things, quote-unquote, for the greater good, quote-unquote, and museums, which are, you know, horrible, horrible things that promote colonialism, imperialism, and a whole bunch of other isms, right? So, like, there's a lot going on here. We don't need to get into that. Nicolas Cage is a fun actor to watch. I enjoyed the first movie. I enjoyed the second one. Not nearly as good. It's weird, just with the 13-year gap that we're getting this, but, like, we're getting reboots of Digimon, and they're just putting the colon at the end of it, and I'm still not over that, so, like... And, like, they're the remaking Inuyasha now, and that also has, like, a 20-plus year gap, so, like, it, there's just a lot of sequels and reboots, and, like, we love that stuff, we eat it up, so this doesn't surprise me, it's just, it's a lot. 
yeah, I've added to the pile of reasons and sequels that no one quite asked for, but are still really happy that we're getting. Oh, was I asking for this 10 years ago? Absolutely. But I just, this was so far in the back of my mind, I never really conceived that we might get national treasure content in the year 2021 or whatever to come out. But I mean, I'm still looking forward to it, of course, because I am that person who loves history, but also like experience gears about how things could have gone if things were differently and there were small alterations to the timeline and stuff like that. And also, I mean, it's kind of Indiana Jones-esque, like you said, but it's also questionable in that same sense where it's a story about an archaeologist doing things for the greater good, but in actuality, he's kind of just catering to his own ego. But it's still fun. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they continue to jump the shark when it comes to historical fan fiction in this series going forward, because they still haven't even touched Statue of Liberty, from what I remember. And there's just some, I feel like it's probably like their mountaintop, where like they're going to find some way that like the head of the Statue of Liberty is actually a spaceship or who knows what. It's like the Fast and Furious approach, right? No, so no, I'm, no. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think you're onto something, but I don't think it's a spaceship. I think it's a mecha. I think the Statue of Liberty is a giant robot designed to fight something at some point. And so is the, so is the Eiffel Tower, and that's how the French gave us Statue of Liberty, because they thought we needed one for ourselves. Exactly. And like we as a country secretly all have these megas ready to go for warfare. See, National Treasure is actually the prequel to Pacific Rim. <laughs> I love this so much. I don't. But before we dive too deep into the world of National Treasure and Nicolas Cage and all the different characters in that movie series. I'll just go ahead and say that, like, I expect these to happen because this gives Disney yet another franchise they can just milk and just keep going all the way through, plus on their own platform, which will probably take over the world before we get back out of our home sometime soon. Well, speaking of unexpected plot twists that I wasn't expecting in the year 2020, Victoria and Keith actually talked about a video game last week without me. Which isn't actually that surprising, given that we have talked about, like, Borderlands and Pokemon in previous episodes before, but it is just kind of funny to me that I missed out on all of the Assassin's Creed talk. But anyways, the big video game news this week is that Microsoft revealed some of their starting lineup for their Xbox Series X from all of their third-party studios. So you have the aforementioned Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the racing game Dirt 5, the space RPG Chorus, psychological thriller The Medium, you have a new Madden, a new Yakuza, and Scorn, which looks suspiciously like if the alien world got an unlicensed first-person shooter. It's very weird, it's very creepy. It looks, it looks entertaining if you like the alien aesthetic, right? And as fellow members of the Black Nerd Problems crew noted behind the scenes, we've kind of reached the sort of graphic fidelity ceiling when it comes to looking at trailers. The Xbox Series X boasts a 4K 120 frames per second in real-time ray tracing, and this was like all of their announcement focused on like, look at how pretty these games look, and the trailers can't convey that because YouTube has like a max potential of like 180, 1080, like 60 FPS at most, so like we're not getting the full impact when we're looking at these on the screen, right? And with the console specifically, we're dealing with machines that aren't quite PCs, but they have this added benefit of less maintenance, slightly longer shelf life, a slightly lower price point, although that's debatable depending, 
And then you have this library of exclusive games, and a lot of the next gen of consoles are seemingly coming down to the quality of life improvements and load times more than like the graphics itself right now. Now I think exclusives are gonna make sure that people go one way or another almost immediately, but you, when you look at like the grand architecture of like most people who are invested in gaming will buy multiple of the systems and then eventually favor one when it comes to these fit parties. There's a lot of questions going forward about what's going to happen during this uh, next-gen of console wars. And one of the main things that makes Xbox still really attractive is their smart delivery feature where, like, you buy the game on the One X and you get to play it on your Series X later on. Although, there are cases like with Madden where terms and conditions may apply. So, Keith, are you thinking about getting an Xbox Series X? I'm considering it at this point, actually, because I think the biggest story that I'm going to hear from what you're telling me is that Gateways is the biggest, is the next stage in the war when it comes to video games. We're pretty much as high as we can be with that in the year 2020. There's not much room for war left there. But the case may be, okay, now we need to get more people on our side because we can't invest as much in actual hardware. So they're investing into access points and giving people ways to get these games. And that's the case with all the tech across the way. Like, as a culture, we've shifted more away from ownership and more focusing on access. And I think that's another example of that. So, like, if I can just get games and be able to invest in them long term versus having to deal with the lifestyle aspect of spending 60 bucks every couple weeks on the game and everything, like, that might be helping me out. And that's been one of my biggest reasons not to get the game. Like, I don't have the budget for it. Like, I spend my money on other things that I enjoy. But Games come at a hefty premium price, and I can't quite dive like that and share that kind of passion with you. So this seems kind of cool. Again, more unexpected plot twists in, in the gaming development world from Keith here. Boom! Two weeks back to back video game content. Back. Wow. It's wild. <laughs> so, like, if you've listened to this podcast, if you've read anything that I've written, I'm, I'm very much in the uh, Sony encampment right now. I've had my PS4 since 2004. 14? 13? I've had it for for six, seven years, essentially, and it's been my primary gaming device up until, like, last year where I finally got a proper gaming PC. Um, I play, like, two free games at most, and one of them is Destiny 2, and all of my content's on the PlayStation side of things, so that's going to keep going forward. Um, and I own a Switch for Animal Crossing New Horizons because who... I need to go outside sometimes, so it might as well be inside, right? Sure. <laughs> so, the Xbox Series X, all of these announcements, they're intriguing. They look interesting. Some of these aren't uh, exclusive to the console. Some of them are. Um, but it is really fascinating. Like, we have reached sort of like this upper limit of sort of like, eventually these consoles are just going to become PCs in order to become any more powerful. Like the Xbox Series X looks like a computer desktop. It, it's a giant box. Okay. Um, and looking at these announcements and trailers, it's like, these are really cool. These are really exciting. It's not enough to sway me, but it's enough to be sort of like, okay, I can see the interest. I can see why people would want to go for that. So... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how Holidays 2020 is going to go with these two new consoles going head to head because it's going to be it's going to be a thing.
So, this episode of This Week in Nerd News is sponsored by Wiretap, the Chrome extension that makes Netflix social. It's live tweeting made for your Netflix life. See thoughtful commentary and theories from Netflix bloggers and superfans, and never watch your favorite movie or series alone. Whether you want to engage with others or be a fly on the wall to scroll through the latest fan theories, Wiretap makes Netflix communication easy right from your Chrome browser. Go to wiretap.co or search Wiretap in the Chrome store and join the future of streaming. That's wiretap.co. As a bonus, many of your favorite writers from Black Nerd Problems, including us at This Week at Nerd News, are going to be using this service. So over the next two weeks, from April 11th to April 25th, Mikkel, Keith, and I will be watching and commenting on Season 1 of Haikyuu. So we have been talking about this for a while. We've been wanting to do a group binge of this volleyball anime for forever. And now you can watch along with us. So add the Wiretap Chrome extension to join the conversation. So this week started out with one of the most important national holidays in the U.S., May 4th, a.k.a. Star Wars Day, a.k.a. May the Hand Wavy Thing Be With You. Uh, and it is appropriate that we got some Star Wars news to quickly discuss on today's episode. So, the Clone Wars animated series finally brought some closure to Ahsoka Tano's story with the uh, season series finale. So, that's done. It's over. I have only seen parts of the series. I'm still working through it, uh, but I know a lot of BNP staff was really excited to see that story get its proper closure after a while. Other news that we got, uh, Taki Watiti is slated to be homing his own Star Wars film, finally, after all of the brilliant work he did in The Mandalorian, about details are still murky at best about what exactly it's gonna, like, be about, and when it's coming out, and who's in it, but that's fine, he's doing it, and that's really all that matters. And the last bit of news that we got is also about The Mandalorian, tangentially, in that its season two is gonna feature Boba Fett because I guess the fans of the old extended universe really love him. It's fine. Uh, There's not too much to say about these news. These are just things that uh, would be criminal not to talk about during May the 4th week, you know? Like, it's Star Wars. Like, we have to celebrate May the 4th, and it would be wrong if we didn't. So, Keith, do you want to add anything? Oh, of course. So... I thought that I was going to have to come out with a hot take, but based on what you said so far, I don't think it's one at all. I don't like Boba Fett, and I feel like all the hype for him is very unwarranted and is really exaggerated. Like, he was, on paper, really, really dope, but I'm sure in things outside of the films, they did a lot of work retroactively to make him seem dope and stuff, but from what I remember the movies, without seeing it a bunch of times, he was a threat that got dismantled pretty easily. So, what I think is going to happen is Mandalorian will give us Boba Fett and everyone else sees in their minds and I'm excited to see that like we actually have like 2020 2021 special effects at our disposal to like have him be this crazy dope assassin that we get to see versus just a guy with a jetpack that got eaten by a space worm right <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that um outside of that I've said this on the podcast many times before I'm on record saying this give Taika Waititi all the things he has not done any wrong so far as far as I've seen all of his content. And he's already more than proven he can handle Star Wars content with the Mandalorian series. So give him a franchise. Let him go out there and see what he can do because he's riding a high right now. Carry that all the way through. 
Um, and working my way backwards here. And the first thing you brought up, oh, um, going to Clone Wars. I am slowly working my way through Clone Wars. I probably watch like a season a year because it's a good show and I don't want it to end. So I'm glad to find out that we do get closure because that wasn't an issue of mine yet. But I knew down the road it was going to be. So glad to hear that I'm not about to just like walk over a content cliff at the end or anything. So I can work my way towards the end of that story. Well, so you clearly missed like the the like year hiatus between like season six and season seven. Oh, absolutely. I think I'm on season three right now. Yeah, there was a six-year gap between season six and season seven, so you get to avoid all of that, much like you avoided all of the high Q hiatuses as well. So, yes, procrastination is forever, my friend. I mean, now is the best time to catch up on things. So. And as is tradition with our episodes, we shall end with our continued coverage of the never-ending streaming wars, even in quarantine. Especially in quarantine, streaming services are out to separate you from your cash, and for being honest, they're doing a really, really effective job at doing such a thing. And while every service is beginning to shape up for the soon-to-be launches throughout this year, HBO Max is out here emptying their entire coffers to ensure a very specific type of marketplace dominance. First, it was the Studio Ghibli films in the US, now it's a partnership with Crunchyroll. So come May 27th, if you get HBO Max, you're going to get access to series like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, ReZero, Keep Your Hands Off Izokin, Rioni Kenshin, Cabinary of the Iron Fortress, Kill a Kill, Your Lion April, Erased, and more. Because they want, they want that anime market and they're willing to do whatever it takes to get it. Now you may have heard my verbal air quotes surrounding partnership earlier, and that's because at the end of the Crunchyroll announcement, I personally discovered that Crunchyroll is actually a Warner Media company, since it's a subsidiary of Otter Media, and I'm really just hoping that all of these services get refactored at this point into like one giant platform, because between Crunchyroll, DC Universe, and the HBO channels on my Roku stick, I just like one platform, please, and less line items on my credit card because I'm gonna pay the money, but it looks really bad when it's seven items long when it could be like two. I digress. Keith, more anime news from HBO Max. Your thoughts? This made me so, so happy on so many levels. Like, when I moved to the place that I'm living in now, I got a really, really big TV with the idea in mind that I'm going to watch beautiful things on this. The fact that I can just have a studio Ghibli marathon in my living room is like a dream come true because those films have been really hard to come by digitally for a long time now, right? Like, you can only watch them if you have DVDs. And I don't own DVDs anymore, so driving in 20, I think alone. But this is like life changing. And to piggyback off of your point earlier, I'm at the point where I'm ready to just cough up $50 for one giant streaming service, which I know is basically cable. But it makes it sound a lot better if it's like one streaming service instead. So like I'm just kind of tired of being safe for myself. But HBO Max is indeed emptying the clip because I get to watch these shows that do exist elsewhere. For example, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is on Netflix, like the whole series and everything. So HBO Max doesn't have exclusive rights to some of these series. But it's still convenient to have everything in one place. So this is probably going to be my main anime producers for now. I mean, the biggest difference between streaming services and cable right now is that a streaming service offers on-demand content. 
Like, you can watch something immediately in any order, in any sequence, as it becomes available on your schedule. A lot of the cable that still exists, for some reason, for some reason, is on this strict schedule where you have to watch at a certain time, and you have to sit through commercials, and it's just, it's odd, it's weird. And you're also paying for a lot of stuff that you will never actually watch. Out of cable, I think, there are always like five channels I go to. Now, that's the same thing with any streaming service, right? Like, there's a whole bunch of content that I will never go to, but the price point is still cheaper. And it's 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 weird. It's odd. Yeah. It's definitely like a good trade-off for sure. That like, it's a, che- it's a lower price point. And again, going back to that idea of access... I don't want to own these movies because I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars buying every Studio Ghibli film and these anime series I like watching all the time. But give me access so I can sit there on a random Sunday like, hey, you know what? I feel like watching the Elric Brothers do a, like blow, destroy half an entire city. So we'll end this uh, fun jaunt through nerd news this week with all patented lightning rounds. There's a lot of stuff that we can't cover within our 30-minute episodes, but we just want to make sure that you guys get the news that is interesting, but maybe not so interesting to talk about in full many-minute detail. So, just in case you wanted a reminder of how weird the timeline we live in is, Netflix released their trailer for Space Force, where Steve Carell plays the poor general responsible for getting the newest branch of the military up, which again, this is a real thing that is happening right now, Space Force. Space nukes. God. Tom Taylor's Deceased, a not-quite-comic series from DC that was a pseudo-elseworld, is getting up a follow-up series, Dead Earth, where the new Justice League returns to the former home and sees what remains. Uh, Netflix is adding yet another common competition show with the big flower fight, where gardeners do floral sculptures and other things. They made many, many gardening puns that were very clearly ripped off from the great British Bake Off style of humor and stuff. But I'm already invested in that genre, so like, go in. I'm here for it. And to cap off the episode with some Nicolas Cage news, since we started off with Nicolas Cage news, he has been cast as Joe Exotic in a new scripted series. That's right, the world is giving us more Tiger King content. For some reason. If you'd like to hear our thoughts on these or anything else in nerd news, feel free to tweet us at BlackNerdProblems with the hashtag TWINN. That was This Week in Nerd News. Turn in next week for more pop culture. I am Mikkel Snyder. I'm Keith Reed And please remember to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll catch you next week. Bye, folks. Have a week.